Hey there, bats and ghouls, and welcome to another episode of Night of the Living History. This episode is called Myrtle's Plantation, also known as Chloe's Revenge. Uh, We're going to be traveling over to Louisiana, and I can't wait to share this legend with you. So let's go ahead and jump in and let's get spooky. Okay, so this uh, story all starts in 1796 when General David Bradford, also known as Whiskey Dave, fled the United States to avoid being arrested after the Whiskey Rebellion. Um, For those of you who are unfamiliar with the Whiskey Rebellion or only kind of briefly remember the name, uh, it was a rebellion that took place during George Washington's presidency. This rebellion happened because there was a tax that was placed on whiskey in particular. Um, A lot of the farmers and um, distillers uh, kind of rose up together and caused a very violent protest um, to this uh, rebellion and uh, were kind of sought after after everything had kind of ended. Um, Bradford in particular uh, supposedly had an actual price on his head. Um, Legend has it that George Washington placed this price on his head himself. Um, So Whiskey Dave ended up uh, in a Spanish colony. This is where he received a land grant of 650 acres from the Baron de Cor... This is going to be so hard for me to say. I'm so sorry. Baron de Corondelet. He gave him this land to start a new life. Uh, The Baron was at the time the governor of Louisiana. Um, At this time period, the state of Louisiana was not yet a state. It was a Spanish colony. Um, Louisiana does not become a state in the United States until 1803 with, you guessed it, the Louisiana Purchase. Um, The Merle's Plantation was erected by Whiskey Dave Bradford in 1794. At the time, he referred to it as Laurel Grove. He lived there alone until 1799. This is when he received a pardon for his role in the Whiskey Rebellion by newly elected President John Adams. Uh, He was granted this pardon for his assistance in establishing the boundary line known as Ellicott's Line between Spain and the United States. Bradford then brought his family to live at Laurel Grove. He often would also bring home students to study underneath him. Uh, These students were studying law. He was a judge at this time. One of these young men, Clark Woodruff, that's my foreshadowing noise. Um, Clark Woodruff (laughs) earned his law degree and married Bradford's daughter, Sarah Matilda. After uh, Bradford's death, uh, Woodruff managed Laurel Grove for his mother-in-law and actually expanded the plantation to 650 acres of indigo and cotton. This is where we're going to get into our legend. Uh, Woodruff apparently had a reputation. He had a very good reputation among men and when it came to the law. However, he had another reputation. He was also known for being promiscuous. A white guy in the South being promiscuous. Who would have guessed that? While Sarah Matilda was pregnant with his third child, Woodruff had become intimate with one of his slaves, Chloe. Chloe realized that not giving into this jerk's sexual demands, she could be sent to work in the fields. And if you know your history well, um, being a slave inside the household was still could be very brutal. And, you know, oftentimes they still faced violence. But being out in the field, uh, there was a lot more risk of being met with violence. Um, it, It just wasn't it was really, really bad. So if you know this, this is the most brutal of jobs that a slave could have. So, of course, he kind of gets tired her 
uh, tired of Chloe after a while, and he moves his rapey ways onto another girl. Chloe was terrified of being sent into the fields, so she started to eavesdrop on the family's private conversations. She was mostly eavesdropping to see if her name was going to be mentioned. Um, she was just absolutely terrified. The judge apparently caught her and ordered one of her ears to be cut off. Um, this was super common at this time. Uh, this was not against the law. Um, slave owners and quote unquote masters of plantations were allowed to discipline their slaves how they saw fit. Um, Chloe wore a green turban to hide the scar. Uh, what happened next has two possibilities. One, Chloe purposefully got the family sick to nurse them back to health and fall back into their good graces. Or two, she wanted revenge. Chloe put a small amount of poison into a birthday cake made for Woodruff's oldest daughter's birthday. Within hours, two of the children and Sarah Matilda were dead. The death, uh, death itself was evaded by the judge. It just so happened he didn't have a piece of the birthday cake. Um, so after they died, the other slaves, uh, possibly afraid that the judge would find out and link them to Chloe's sins, dragged her from her room and hanged her from a nearby tree. They cut down her body and weighted it down with rocks before throwing it into a nearby river. The judge had closed off the children's dining room where the party was held and never used it again as long as he lived. The room to this day uh, is never used um, for dining. Uh, it has never been used um, between that time and now. Um, as a matter of fact, right now I believe it is a game room. Since her death, the ghost of Chloe is one of the most frequently encountered um, at the Myrtles, often seen wearing her green turban, sometimes accompanied uh, by the cries of children or people who stay there um, because it is currently a bed and breakfast. If you stay there overnight, people have claimed that they have been startled awake to see the ghost of Chloe standing at their bedside staring at them. This story does have some historical flaws, and I know nobody wants to talk about that, but I'm a history major and we have to look at the facts, so we're going to talk about the facts too. Um, some of the flaws of this story are as followed. Uh, according to historical record, Sarah Matilda died from yellow fever, and her children died more than one year after she did. There is also no actual record of Chloe being in existence. That being said, we're going to touch on that. Um, whether or not this is true, uh, it's a, it's a possibility. This is always going to be a possibility. Historical records for this time period are, of course, considered a primary source. However, this is all stuff that's written by hand. They didn't have computers back then. Um, I mean, they had maybe officials sometimes that would record these things. But this was also a time period when people were able to brush things under the rug a little bit easier. Um, another thing to take into consideration is that slaveholders slave often changed the names of slaves when they acquired them. Um, it wasn't an uncommon thing to do. So it could just be that Chloe was listed under a different name and maybe Chloe was something that she had a personal name, uh, which was kind of, uh, I think this was something that some slaves did, um, giving themselves a personal name so that they kind of held on to their own identity. Um, so that is a good possibility. The rest of the story, I mean, you can kind of leave it up to yourself. I mean, facts are facts. The children died a year after their mom. Whether or not they died from yellow fever, or the mom died from yellow fever, or what they died from, who knows? I'll leave that up to you. So places to visit is Louisiana, of course. This place is just absolutely crawling with history. Um, I believe I mentioned it in the first episode of this podcast. Uh, there's a lot 
there's just a lot going on there. I highly recommend you go. I've never been myself, but I've always wanted to. Uh, the Myrtles Plantation itself is located in St. Francisville, Louisiana. It is a bed and breakfast. It is also open to tours. Um, I think it'd be pretty cool to, I mean, even if you're not, if you're too chicken to stay the night there, I mean, you could always go and do a tour. They also have tours where they talk about Chloe's ghost. So I think that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks for coming back and listening to another episode, you guys, and stay spooky.